0: Essential oils may be one of the most pleasant-sounding healing modalities. Smells great, right? God, almost almost as good as massage. But here's the thing. It's also really powerful medicine. And in fact, it has to be used properly and carefully. It's, these things are so concentrated and so intense. It is not do-it-yourself. I'm going to talk to an expert right now to find out not only how you can use essential oils to make you feel great, but in fact, you can use them sometimes instead of antibiotics for some of the most common health ailments. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. And don't forget to rate and review us when we're done so that we can help even more people find us at our great expert advice. I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today again to Dr. Joseph Feuerstein, Associate Professor of Clinical Medicine at Columbia University in New York and Director of Integrative Medicine at Stanford Hospital in Connecticut, where he specializes in family medicine. Dr. Feuerstein completed a fellowship in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona School of Medicine, where he trained directly with renowned natural physician Dr. Andrew Weil in a wide range of complementary and alternative medicine modalities with special emphasis on nutrition and disease prevention. In addition, he's certified in clinical aromatherapy, and that's why he's going to be talking to us today, because it's part of his clinical practice. Dr. Forrestine is also the author of Dr. Joe's Man Diet, Lose 15 to 20 pounds, Drop Bad Cholesterol 20%, and Watch Your Blood Sugar Free Fall in 12 Weeks. And that's available on Amazon, wherever books are sold, and it's on my bookshelf at home. So Joe, welcome back to talk to us.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Well, thank you for having me.
0: And your book is prominently on the shelf. Actually, it should be on the kitchen counter. Uh, Eventually, right? My husband continues to lose weight thanks to your guidance. That's
1: a wonderful thing. It's the grace of God.
0: Well, there we go. All right. So today we are going to talk about essential oils, not aromatherapy. You were very clear to me that we are going to talk about essential oils in clinical practice, which is a much different thing but you're still using aromatherapy it all smells nice so what's the deal why we why were you so particular about the power of this stuff
1: so essential oils and aromatherapy are honestly the same thing one of them however has a connotation that to many people will uh not be associated with something significant with something clinical with something powerful, but rather kind of more of a nice smells that you can get in a any kind of uh, I, I suppose any toiletry store and that's aromatherapy and actually that isn't very serious, whereas real essential oil use is used in clinical practice to treat medical conditions, so that's actually what I do, and when we talk about it, I'll explain how that works, but that's using high doses of real things that so, are not perfumes and nice smells.
0: All right, so when I go to the spa and when I'm in my bathtub, I take these little bottles of essential oil and it all feels good and smells nice, and you're telling me that there's these things are extremely powerful plants, and in fact, misused, they actually could be harmful.
1: There's no question about that. Um, There are multiple essential oils which at high doses are lethal. Um, In Europe, there are countries where essential oils have to be kind of uh, uh, kept away from children because of the fact that they have overdoses of these essentially very, very powerful extracts from plants and so the Going to a spa, you're probably still going to get some essential oil use, but the stuff that we would use in a clinical practice, we're very particular about where it comes from, and so we know it's standardized. We know it has been tested for purity and potency, so we know that what we're using is real as opposed to other things which are more perfumey and you don't know what you're getting. So this is, when, when doing it, do it properly.
0: But even even when I'm using the real deal, I mean, is it the fact that, because these are, these are plants that everybody knows. It's chamomile, it's mm-hmm. lavender, it's peppermint, it's rosemary, it's oregano. Ira- it's, right. it's stuff that everybody knows, everybody sure. eats it. Sure. So what happens when it's becoming an essential oil? Is it so concentrated? That's exactly that right.
1: So there are 21 families that have their botanicals, they're plant families that create these incredible substances which are essential oils. They're aromatic chemistry essentially, lots of different uh, components of of, uh, different things like terpenes and terpenoids, um, all these different chemicals that are found. They're naturally occurring in these oils and they in high concentrated doses. So this is not the same as drinking a peppermint tea you're not going to get the same amount of essential oil but if you extract using steam or using carbon dioxide the essential oil of peppermint now you're going to get a liquid that has an incredibly high amount of um, things like menthol which is an alcohol found in peppermint and they all have specific medicinal properties so what we're doing when we're eating is great and rosemary is good to eat it tastes good it also has health benefits but when you're using it or oregano when you're using this as an essential oil you're using this at a much 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 more concentrated more potent approach and therefore it's really not in the same way as a culinary use of these oils or using them as an herbal tea you're using the entire oil which is one part of the plant
0: so i read a stat mm. that or i i read a, a factoid That one drop of essential oil of peppermint was about as powerful as between 15 and 40 cups of peppermint tea.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, when you understand how essential oils are taken, how they are extracted. So it could be any part of the plant. It can be the twigs. It could be the flowering tops. It could be the leaves. And these of these 21 aromatic plant families create, and in their In their leaves or the different parts of the plant they have these incredible oils so it's not essentially to the entire plant kingdom that all plants have essential oils there's actually a very limited amount of plants that have essential oils and they have medicinal and health benefits
0: so is it when you're using them is it the smell that's doing it or it's really just all those other chemicals that are inside it's just like when i've got you know, a lot of a lot of drugs are from plants to start with, and a right. lot of natural botanicals and other things that we're using. So, is it that it's it's the full spectrum of what's in this stuff? I'll use a technical term. What's in this stuff? Um, so, it's more than just smell, uh, because people again we think of smell, essential oils, aroma, and and all that impact. But is it there? Is, the, the, where's the power? Like what? What's curing me or what's fixing me when I'm using it?
1: So it is is a combination of both. The we know from from uh, anatomy and from uh, essentially developmental embryology that uh, the mo- one of the most important parts of the brain is the limbic system, which is essentially uh, where emotions are. Uh, are modulated and it's also the reptilian, if you will, in terms of evolutionary, it's the reptilian brain, it has much more simple basic emotions. Um, the, the nose and the smelling part, in other words, the olfactory bulb is connected to the limbic system. And so what happens is these aromas are actually affecting the limbic system having an impact on the emotion and then there is a connection between the limbic system to multiple other systems of the body. The pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, which are all where most of the hormones are made, it is going to have um, effects on the autonomic nervous system. So that in terms of the smell and how that would impact on the body, it's going to impact in multiple ways. Having said that, in clinical essential oils, beyond just smell, You are using these particular compounds that have interesting chemical makeups and the chemistry will govern, this is a principle of essential oil use, the chemistry is going to govern the clinical effect. So when you're taking peppermint as an essential oil, as an extract from a pharmaceutical grade product in Europe for irritable bowel syndrome, you're not smelling any peppermint at all. It's not working. It's in that way, so it's not really a, a, aromatherapy. If you're using it as an aroma, that's fine. If I'm using it to inhale for an antimicrobial ash, a, a agent, instead of using it, uh, instead of using an antibiotic for chronic and recurrent lung or sinus infections, again, the aroma part of it is a nice extra. But I'm actually using it because it has. Um, antimicrobial properties. So that's the, there's a complexity to the chemistry to this beyond just it smells nice. And the same thing would be topically. The topical effect is not just because you smell it, it's going through your olfactory bulb and it's having an effect on your limbic system and calming you down, calming your autonomic system down or alternatively other oils winding you up and stimulating you. There's more to it than that and that's the complexity of essential oils. Okay,
0: so these really are doing stuff. So let's talk about mm-hmm. how... How how you use it in your practice. And you and I went back and forth because mm. um, you know, we talked about the different oils and talked about from different oils point of view. But you know what? The people listening, they got problems. Yeah. Right. They they wanna they wanna fix their problems. They wanna hear sure. about our stinking oils. Sure. So let's talk about it um, from I'll call it the ailment point of view and talk about some of the ways that you're using it mm-hmm. in your practice and how sure. what are people coming to you? What are you what are you using? How about and I, I can I'll prod you, we'll talk about some different categories and you could say, Here's what I do. Sure, hit me. All right, so you know what? People seem to ha- be a little freaky-deaky about the flu season and this coronavirus. So okay. why don't we start with respiratory infections, and and viruses, and 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 res- you know respiratory issues.
1: So, firstly, multiple of the essential oils will contain compounds called terpenes okay again this is chemistry so we're always going to be talking about the chemistry when it comes to essential oils because there's the complexity to this Ter- terpenes are found to be antimicrobial and many essential oils have lots of terpenes in um, so the classic ones that i would use for recurrent infections but i want to be kind of clear about what uh, what i see remember i'm in a consultation practice so the patients i get are not people who've got a cold. I get people who are sent by infectious disease doctors because there's no more antibiotics for them. Mm-hmm. I mean this is real stuff. So you go into the heavy duty I go into the heavy duty they've, stuff. They've
0: already been through they've first been round, th- second round. This third is not round. this is right. not
1: cute you've got the cold and, right. and 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 that's fine. What I'm using is patients who have recurrent chronic sinus infections where what we need to do is basically disinfect their the 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 lining of their mucous membranes of their nose because they keep on getting infections both viral or bacterial. I've had patients who've got what a, it's a medical condition called bronchiectasis where the, the there's a problem with mucus and the, the lungs actually kind of break down the architecture of the lungs and they have essentially cesspits. This is not a nice re- description, but basically they have mucus pooling everywhere and the bacteria love to grow there because it's moist, dark. And and, gooey. and And gooey. And so, yeah. so they get all kinds of bacterial infections. These are nasty ones that are usually resistant to multiple drugs. And what will happen is uh, these bacteria will grow. And then in the end, the drugs will not... Be able to work and i've had a number of patients referred by infectious disease doctors because they're running out of the antibiotics and so they want to use something else these are natural antibiotics so if what you...
0: are you using so how do you do it
1: so we'll probably and i'll,
0: I'll preface this was go i'm going to ask you what you do we're going to say don't do this at home you definitely don't want to do this at home <laughs> don't do this at home but theoretically speaking
1: right. so what you're looking for is uh high as i said before terpene oils Things like eucalyptus, there's two eucalyptus radiata and globulus. You could use tea tree. Um, All of those are potently antimicrobial. Um, In fact, in essential oil use, they even get to the point, I mean, this is really quite significant, where when you go into the hospital or you go into the see the doctor and you have a urine infection and they take a urine culture, they're culturing it so they can get sensitivity to antibiotics because it'll work for this, it won't work for that etc. So in 24 hours we'll know exactly what the bug will be killed by. You can do the same thing with an essential oil. It's called an aromatogram And you'll see that these bacteria, and some of these are MRSA and ESBL and nasty stuff that you get in the hospital. You'll put him on an aromatogram. You basically grow it, stick in the oils, and you will see that multiple of these oils will kill this bacteria. So
0: hold on. I mean, we're talking about sinus stuff, but you just mentioned MRSA, which is one of those horrible infections. A lot of people get it in the hospital. It's it right. doesn't respond to antibiotics. It, was, it responds to and certain
1: antibiotics, but the point is, some of them oh, it a does lot respond of it's to. It. Right, and right.
0: Essential oils are able to. So some essential
1: oils, it. not all, but using right. an aromatogram, doing this clinically, right. that would be exactly what you could do to find out which bug is. It's no different from an antibiotic. Right. It's really no different from taking a culture and growing it. And then putting it to antibiotics. Instead, you're doing it with essential oils. But
0: that's huge. Because people talk 100%. about MRSA antibiotics, dead. There we go. And yet essential oils so are essential oil. sitting there and able to solve a problem. But uh, doctors aren't necessarily using right. it.
1: And so, well, that's good for me because that's what I do. But the second thing <laughs> there's is... There's only one of you and how do they go find you. you? That's true. Uh, well, you have to come to the... Okay. We take insurance and you have to come <laughs> see us in our office. We're a consultation service in Stanford. We're one of the largest centers in the country. Okay, moving on. The other interesting thing um, that you need to understand, just about antibiotic, essentially using essential oils, is that it's killing the bacteria by multiple different approaches. So a antibiotic works in one way; it kills it by doing X. If it's clever antibiotic, it'll be two antibiotics today, and it'll do it this way and that way. It'll work on the on the on the RNA, or it'll work on the on the division, etc. Essential oils have multiple compounds, many different compounds. They're all hitting this from multiple different ways, so it's much harder for the bacteria to evolve and become resistant because there's. It's like giving somebody masses of different antibiotics. In terms of nature, obviously, essential oils have been used for thousands of years. It's in the Ebers Papyrus from Egypt, so we know that these have an effect. This is classic old antibiotic use, using these these powerful agents. Um, and what we tend to do to go back to your sinus lung infections is I tend to rotate them so that you don't get resistance. Because eventually the bacteria gets clever and it starts to not want to, you know, you, the one type of eupolictus wouldn't work. So then you'll change to so, another one.
0: And now, so are they in, are you using diffusers? Are they inhaling it? Are they rubbing it on their skin? So
1: they're definitely rubbing on their skin because right. it needs to be inhaled. Right. And so here's a, here's a couple of very practical things. So firstly, uh, you do it as a steam inhalation. Um, And what you're doing is you're putting some drops of the oil, you can't put it straight on the fire because it's aromatic and will burn, it's a volatile thing, so you put it in water, in like hot water, and then it will essentially, because it's aromatic and volatile, will then diffuse into the air, the best way of doing this is then to basically make a steam inhalation where you put something over your head, put your head face is probably not more than about uh, maybe 12 inches from the water do not put your face in the water you're going to cover it with essential oils and it's too much there are a couple of absolute caveats to essential oil use lots of essential oils remember you really want to be doing this under clinical supervision someone knows what they're doing uh because we're not playing here so there are multiple types of oils that are going to have different types of reactions um, you can get irritant dermatitis, which is where essentially immediately the the, the the mucous membranes, the skin of the inside the nose, gets irritated by certain types of phenols. These are, so you can get that because they're strong, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can get uh, over time. You can uh, get sensitization with other oils. Certainly, using it on the skin, I certainly see patients, especially with the um, the orange variety of oils all the different types of neroli and pedigrain etc these are all different types of oils people can get uh they contain something called monoterpenes and you can get an allergic reaction to that so you have to be a little careful when you first start inhaling it you're going to go with a very low dose of a couple of drops and you're going to see if you start getting a reaction if you're getting a reaction and your nasal passages start to burn this is not the oil for you because you're probably going to have a reaction to it Just think about it in terms of, and another way to do it, if you are concerned, is to patch test, which is where we take the oil. All oils, if they are put on the skin, go in a carrier oil, which could be sweet almond, it could be um, vitamin E technically, you could do olive oil, jojoba is a very good one, that's a nut, and those are all different oils because you're not going to give anything neat to anybody, and then you put it. Um, you make it with your sweet almond let's say as your oil of choice you're going to give double the regular dose that you would give you put it on your skin just a little bit and you do it a small amount on your skin and then 12 hours later you do it again it's called patch testing if you're having an allergic reaction to the oil very quickly you'll have a a problem and if you have a problem for god's sake do not start inhaling it uh, because that's a big deal. And right. there's issues with inhaling. I mean, for example, menthol, which is found in peppermint oil, um, can cause bronchospasm in children. I mean, it, it really, it needs to be done under medical supervision. But does it work? Absolutely. I have patients. I've got this guy who's a, um, he's a supervisor um, of... In a, in a, uh, is it a supervisor? You know, the guys who run the schools beyond just the principal. Uh, the, the superintendent. Right. There we go. He's a superintendent of a nice uh, school a- area here. He used to have chronic sinus infections. He doesn't have them at all because he does uh, inhalations. He doesn't do them every right. day. He does them the moment he starts getting it.
0: So again, people, and I know there's so much unknown about the coronavirus, mm. but should China be, I mean, if, if they were using this in China, would we be talking about a different story? Are these, pe- all the I people with so. the flu, I mean, that we've got. I think so. If you diffuse about coronavirus, it, yeah. but flu, thousands of fold worse if, than Right, if corona. you diffuse,
1: right. uh, uh, look, I'll give an example. You come see him as a patient, when I wash my hands, I wash them, and then I disinfect my stethoscope right. and my hands. Do I disinfect it with alcohol? No, I disinfect it with three different essential oils because I think it works just as right. well. You know, I mean, you could use it as a diffuser. You know, in terms of coronavirus and flu, but but those are kind of those are big deals for sure. But in terms of what I'm doing in clinical practice, which is why I kind of make it want to make a difference between clinical aromatherapy, which sounds cute something you do at home that you buy some stuff from Bed Bath and & Beyond and what we're actually doing in clinical practice yes. where we're using essentially uh, the liquid antibiotics. Um, and they really are quite right. useful but you oh. have to know what you're doing because you can have a problem if you don't know what you're doing.
0: So let's talk about some other uses mm. of it because again, sure. I want people to know that there's options out here. We'll get to the part of, because now we're, we're taunting them, right? We're saying this is out there, mm. right? You don't you don't have to, You know, there's options beyond antibiotics mm. and then they're going to go, Great, where do I go? Absolutely. But we'll get to that later. Hang in there, people. All right, so let's talk about other things. How about, so skin infections, so things like acne, things like impetigo. So we right. talked about some of those infections. Right. Um, so that would other... be, sure, so, yeah. so
1: that was the classic one. The classic one, and, the, and there's a published right. clinical study on it, is using uh, tea tree oil, which is not done neat. No, I really don't use tea tree oil no, neat. It would be put on using a uh, carrier oil like uh, almond uh, sweet almond, and you would uh, dilute the oil. You put in some drops of the oil in the sweet almond, so you end up with a one percent or a five percent topical uh, to- topical um, uh, extracts and uh, or you know topical uh, solution, and then you're going to put that on the skin twice a day, and you might do that for a couple of months, and it works as well as the v- pretty standard over-the-counter not sophisticated acne meds and even
0: with an oil that because usually with acne you would think that you don't want to put oil on your skin
1: right it's it's sweet almond is so it's it's it it kind of evaporates it's not it it isn't that bad you're not using a lot of it um the thing is that i can't compare it you know so it's compared to benzoyl peroxide which is a pretty typical uh but interesting enough we think it actually works by killing the bacteria in the skin Mm because there's a Inflammatory and a reaction of bacteria in the skin that helps, that's part of the acne complex. Um, and uh, the benzoyl peroxide seems to kill that. So, using till tree or tea tree oil, which is potently antimicrobial and again has terpenes, is going to do the same thing. Uh, people can get a reaction just like anything else you're putting it on your skin in the same way as you can use benzoyl peroxide but i don't want to say that this is at the same level instead of using accutane or a retinoid or anything like that it's compared to yeah. an over-the-counter simple well, acne. Medic.
0: Accutane is scary stuff no no i understand but i don't i, I want us to be <laughs> right. clear as to this what is it everyday does. acne this, this is, is acne everyday simple major. acne right. yeah
1: this is simple acne not not complicated acne okay
0: how about headaches you have you talked about that this you could actually use essential oils for headaches. 100%. A whole lot of people living out a whole lot of you know NSAIDs out there.
1: So there's no there's no question. So headaches is actually a very good one because there is a randomized c- clinical trial that is using the essential oil of peppermint. Um, the clinically tested product is called Uminz, E-U-M-I-N-Z. You can get it on Amazon. Is that you, a capsule? So um it is no, it's an applicator okay. with the oil um and you put it on your temples and it works as well as a gram of tylenol in about 15 to 30 minutes so about the same amount of time as a gram of tylenol by the way gram tylenol is a lot of tylenol and you can put this on instead and so in the published clinical study which was one in, in one in one of the neurological it was a double blind study it was like a good randomized placebo controlled study where they were taking peppermint or they were just taking the carrier oil without peppermint, or they were taking Tylenol. Um, Obviously, the Tylenol people knew they weren't taking the oil, Mm -hmm. but the active ingredient was the peppermint, and the other people didn't know whether they were taking peppermint or not. Um, And the Tylenol was as effective as the peppermint topically twice a day. We think it works by relaxing muscle, probably working on the calcium channels.
0: So um, I was just going to ask you, so there's all kinds of headaches. There's tension headaches, mm-hmm. there's sinus headaches, yep. Yep. Uh, migraines, a whole other category. This is more,
1: yeah, so this was more for tension headaches, yeah. which quite common. Migraines more complex, Yes. but the tension headache, there's muscular tension, right. it's going on in the musculature around it, surrounding the skull, and this will help relax it. And as I said, probably having an effect by uh, relaxing the, working on the calcium channels and relaxing the muscle. Awesome.
0: All right, now so this was fascinating to me. You wrote about you have something about that you can actually use essential oils for memory enhancing.
1: So that's the classic Shakespeare from Hamlet, where Ophelia. Uh, I, I say this and people think it's amazing. That I remember any Shakespeare, but I just happen to know this thing. It's your which accent is exactly <laughs> verily verily. So um, forsooth. Um, so uh, Ophelia and Harriet says, here's Rosemary, that's for remembrance. And so we've known for at least you know hundreds and hundreds of years that Rosemary seems to have an effect on memory. I actually think it's probably working more on alertness because there's a trial that was done comparing lavender to, mem- to Rosemary. What I liked about the trial is that it was done and the people who were in the trial didn't realize what was going on. So they were put in a room and they were given, like you know, psychological testing or mathematical testing, whatever it was. It was kind of a stress thing, um, and what they were looking at was the degree with which um, there was an improvement in their, you know, in in their alertness and therefore improvement in their testing. Or if you use lavender, which is a classically Relaxing oil, there was a reduction in their alertness and uh, um, and therefore the accuracy Did they of their, have their a testing. Um, yes yeah, so no oil control? so so no, I think what they were doing was just doing one or the no no they were doing one the other or nothing, um, and so what they found was that rosemary seems to be stimulating, which we know it. Uh, that's what it seems to do.
0: Will it help my forgetful old brain that can't so, remember so,
1: anything? So, uh, to be honest with you, just in terms of rosemary. Um, I mean, I, I use it all the time because it has another interesting thing, which is it's full of cannabinoids. Did you know that the essential <laughs> no. oil essential oil of rosemary so, is actually full of something called beta carotoline, which is a cannabinoid. So lucky we so, have it at our speed So CBD exactly, rub. that's exactly yes. Yeah. So uh, you should be you're rocking it with that. But in, in terms of what rosemary is actually used for, um, rosemary is the the botanicals that come from, most of the botanicals we use are coming from Germany because they're pharmaceutical grade, they're made by pharmaceutical companies. And so uh, the Germans therefore do reviews of this, the German FDA is called Commission E. Commission E has these monographs on the different botanicals and essential oils and the one they have on rosemary is that they use it um, enterically, meaning it's it's actually used as a capsule for bloating and gas because it has anti-spasmodic effects. Um, The downside to rosemary is there's quite a lot of downsides Uh, one of which is that you have to be careful with rosemary in pregnancy um, and it also contains ketones which um, can increase your blood pressure and can cause seizures again you know it really has to be done by someone who knows what they're doing. It's generally safe, but you have to know when you're doing it. So if you have a history of high blood pressure, taking lots of, I don't mean eating rosemary lamb. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a different league. That's just got some rosemary floating around, the whole herb. But if you're gonna take the essential oil, which has been extracted, so now you've got a concentrated extract of the essential oil found in the rosemary leaves, the flowering tops, if you will, then you have to be careful because that can stimulate, increase your blood pressure, increase your risk of uh, of um, uh, of seizures if you have a history of seizures because it's a stimulant. So you just have to be careful.
0: So if I'm, the, you know, the same way you were, there was the peppermint that, you know, you rubbed on your temples that was in the carrier oil but dosed properly. Yes. So would you, is rosemary, you'd do the same kind of thing? That would be so exactly it. if I'm going to study for a test, I would... So yeah, dab so, a little bit. So here what and it's there.
1: so what it's used for in terms of Germany is bloating and abdominal distension for gas, that type of thing. Well that's not memory. So, no, absolutely. <laughs> if you want to use it topically, right. I would actually honestly not even rub it on your temples. Right. I would do what they did in the clinical study, which is they would have it in a diffuser. Yes. So a diffuser is a different way. So again, you don't really put the oil straight on the fire because um, because it's it's volatile. If you want it to diffuse what you do is you put the you you heat the water and then put it in the water and then the water it's not it's not boiling you know it just has to be kind of uh, hot and then the rosemary goes over the place and that's what they did in the clinical study and it seemed to improve their memory because as ophelia says it's for remembrance
0: so it's interesting though so that you take the same element and you use it in different ways at different times so sometimes it's topical sometimes it's It's aerated. Sometimes it's internal. Right. Right.
1: But it's always the same oil. It's just used because it's got different properties. I'll give you an example. So to go back to peppermint, peppermint has another completely different uh, effect and it's used, lots of people use it for irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. So in this point, it's not being used topically because you're not putting it with an applicator on the, the sides of your brow because you have a tension headache. You're using it internally and you're taking it um, as capsules before meals and as I explained before it has an effect on the calcium channels and seems to relax muscle so it will relax the smooth muscle of the gut and in irritable bowel syndrome people can quite obviously have gut spasms so topic, so oral peppermint can be very useful and is used and there are published clinical studies using the clinically tested product called colperumin, C O L P P-E-R-M-I-N, get it in Amazon. Again, it comes from Europe, comes from Germany, it's pharmaceutical grade, and there are journal studies, randomized placebo-controlled studies, showing reduction compared to placebo of uh, bloating and abdominal distension using peppermint, and this time you're using it orally and internally.
0: So here's a crazy question because mm. they always have peppermint tea. Yeah, Obviously everyone knows that, that peppermint is good for settling your stomach. It's now, exactly you know, right. This is on I will call it tea uh, peppermint on steroids the way that you're talking That's about right. using it. That's right. That's exactly it. yeah. But here's my here's my odd question. So they you usually get you'll drink peppermint tea after your dinner almost as a digestive, but okay. if it's relaxing, if it's an anti-spasmodic and it's relaxing my stomach, right. wouldn't that fight digestion because now it's kind of taking away from the digestive systems well remember the digestion
1: goes on for like for hours it's not a quick thing there's about an hour or something or two in the stomach before it starts to go to the small intestine. so the digestion goes on for a while ibs um is really i mean whether you're eating or you're not eating it a lot of the the, the time there's a lot of bloating and abdominal spasming oh yeah and that's what you're using it for
0: no i was jumping to that just that after dinner
1: cup of peppermint tea. So to be honest with you, as dinner doesn't last that long, right. whether you're gonna take it before, with, or during um, shouldn't really make a difference. So I have patients who... Die, t- I don't mean totally IBS people, I mean normal
0: yeah, people. No, no, I that, like, Sure, sure,
1: right. but I mean, if you're taking it, it's, it's all stuck in your stomach, to be honest right. with you. And, and and because it's a liquid, it'll come out of the stomach much quicker than the food will. Right. So I'll give you an example, digestive enzymes. I tell you to take it you can before or with food. Two hours afterwards, it's already left your stomach. It kind of, that doesn't make a lot of sense right. to me. But d- during the whole kind of dinner thing, peppermint, we find at the end of the dinner is still also relatively good because it's probably most of the food is still stuck in the stomach uh, for an hour or two. I mean, gastric emptying is, is, is delayed only after you get to like three or four hours. Oh
0: yeah, But is the, pep- the peppermint start slowing that down? I'm stuck no, on this. I'm
1: sorry. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not really. It's, but not at the dose you're taking. Right. Okay. (laughs) Right, exactly. You're taking peppermint tea, which has minimum amount of the actual essential oil.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, Let's talk about, so we're talking about calming things. Let's talk about other calming things. I mean, because of course, lavender, everybody knows lavender, but there are other things that you use and other other, um, ways that you use it for, use essential oils for calming. So what are some of those?
1: So, firstly, in terms of lavender, there's different right. types of lavender. There's true lavender, there's which is lavender lavandula angustifolia. There's uh, spike lavender, which is spiculata, um, and the lavender. There's another one that I can't remember for some reason, um, and the third one is intermedia. And then because essential oils are fascinating, you can start getting in. And so you can do things that are called lavendin, which is a blend. It's specifically grown so it has high amounts of esters because esters are relaxing. So, you know, you can start to use the different... When you start going into the world of essential oils, you'll start to see that you haven't just got one variety of lavender. You've got different varieties and then different varieties of those that they've now essentially grafted together so that you end up with a new variety that has a specific chemistry that might be useful. So um, the most relaxing to me is actually not true lavender, it's lavendin, um, but lavender, the species, um, has antimicrobial agents, antimicrobial properties. So again, if you wanted to kill something, you might use spike lavender, because it has a different chemistry and is more, essentially, uh, more antimicrobial to viruses and bacteria. Um, But lavender is definitely one of the calming ones uh, that you would use and in the published clinical study where they took all these people and basically just wafted essential oils into uh, into their cubicles without them knowing and then told them it was about something else. Um lavender wood has relaxation effects, which and, we know about. And you can see it on an EEG, they'll have relaxing effect on the on And then
0: the, there's some other ones too, like lemon balm, yep. chamomile, yep. bitter orange.
1: So lemon balm is a great one. Lemon balm, Melissa officinalis, is uh, a wonderful plant, uh, which is really quite safe. And there are published clinical studies on using that, which I really loved, for agitation in patients with dementia. So whenever I give discussions and uh, and, and I talk to uh, medical professionals who deal with the elderly and people in nursing homes and people in hospice, I, if we talk about essential oils, the first thing we're going to talk about is melissa or lemon balm. Because and that's
0: different than lemon, like citrus lemon. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So it
1: was the citrus, there are different oils that come right. from citrus. This is different. This is, this is a plant it's, it's like called a mid, melissa officinalis. Or something?
0: Huh? Is lemon balm a cousin of mint, or something like yes, that? Yes, it's related that? to right, mint
1: exactly. Right. Yes, you know that's exactly right. right. So, um, um, so anyway, so lemon balm, in studies, if you massage, and again, we've talked about different ways we use it. We can use inhaled essential oils. We can use ingested essential oils. We can use topical essential oils. So this one was using it topically on the hands, uh, in a carrier, or, or obviously with agitation in patients who had dementia and there's a significant improvement in the dementia scale compared to just the placebo which is just the oil without the just the carrier oil without the lemon balm so this is really quite nice because frankly agitation in patients with memory issues and dementia is quite hard to treat and people lots of doctors tend to use medications which can have issues this is a neat way to do things.
0: So can um... There are a whole bunch of people taking a whole lot of Xanax. Okay. Because they're a whole lot of agitated. Yeah. Could they be massaging their hands with lemon balm? Definitely. Could I, I if I don't want to massage my hands, could I massage my feet? Like, does it matter where I'm massaging?
1: Um, no, actually, I didn't think it did. I mean, it, obviously, essentially, right. the oil is going to be um, absorbed by the skin and it will get to where it needs to go. But the, the point is that. Um, the aroma part of that is yes. is, is still going to be there, oh, but classically it was uh, the hands because people like that, and agitated patients are more likely to be to be less agitated right. by hand massage and touching people's hands than the feet because yeah. most people you know what i'm saying people I don't generally know, I like a, no no i got you i got you nice. but they they, they 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 did they did well i mean you know it depends on your articulation stuff i mean the point <laughs> was that the, the hand was a pretty standard yes. thing which was also uh um you know kind of less invasive than taking the socks off and then sitting there and doing yeah. this and and uh, and the patients with agitation don't understand what's going on.
0: Right. Well, I'm just, I'm broadening yeah. it. So I, yeah, I yeah. totally understand. I think that's huge mm. for, you know, agitated seniors and, yeah. or patients with dementia. But again, you know, I'm just thinking about so many people that have um, just basic anxiety and they're living on, on their benzodiazepines yeah. and their Xanax. And then I'd heard, I was talking to someone one day on a podcast about um opioids and and one of the first places that they get addicted is through like wisdom teeth right and doctors now are prescribing xanax for for patients before you know to take that before they go in and then get the opioids well that's like a killer combination yes so these parents, There's if, an interaction, if they go them. massage their teens with lemon yeah, balm yeah. beforehand, they don't... I think
1: that that would be a wonderful thing to do. I think you could, if you wanted to add the efficacy, you could add two different relaxing oils. You could do lemon balm and you could do lavendin um, because they're both very um, relaxing. And putting that... In it's, you don't even have to essentially massage it. You could put it on a diffuser and you could have it around. And these effects are going to have a calming effect. I mean, again, the, cl- the clinical study, they weren't massaging lavender they were inhaling lavender right. and it had a relaxing effect melissa which is lemon balm would do the same thing it's just that that this t- study was topical but i'm sure it would be reasonable to use both of them together I, i'm not absolutely sure what it would smell like because the <laughs> lavender is a power powerful right. but most people like lavender um but that would be a reasonable thing to do and, and and if you're concerned about ingesting it or putting it in topically uh you could have it just as a, an, as, a as a diffuser
0: now, how about let's go to the next step, sleep.
1: So the sleep is going to be very similar to what we just talked about, mm-hmm. which is anxiety. So it's going to be pretty much the same thing as lemon balm, which we use all the mm-hmm. time. And, um, and then one of, the, one of the relaxing as opposed to the stimulating lavender. So the stimulating lavender, the one that's antimicrobial, spike lavender, wouldn't be something you'd use, but a lavendin or a true lavender, Lavander and gastrofolia would be absolutely fine to use. And again, you might want to put that. I've had patients where you'll put it on a wool bud and you'll put it by your bedside and it'll just diffuse and send you to sleep.
0: And could you do this with your children? Some people have, you know, their kids have a hard time falling asleep.
1: Sure, you have to be careful that they don't have any reactions to it. So for example, you know, uh, peppermint in kids was a concern because people were using it topically and they were using it too close to the nose. And in children, it was... Uh, it was causing poisoning. I mean, they were having to go into the hospital and have their stomachs pumped. Yeah, yeah, because it, ha- it can cause bronchospasm, which is right. where the the, the the bronchus, which is the air, the airways of the lung can go into a spasm because of the the menthol part right. of, um, of peppermint. So, I mean, you just have to be a little careful, but these generally are safe. They're generally considered to be safe by uh, the authorities, I would just use it as a diffuser, and I would have it wafting around. But obviously, we have to be careful that the kids don't have any reaction to it. Or
0: again, massaging on their hands.
1: 100%. Yeah, so that's why, as I said, everything. The kids would
0: love to. There's nothing better than mom or dad rubbing their back before they go to bed.
1: I think it would be great. You just patch test, as I said before, before, so you know they're not going to have a reaction. And then you go for it
0: sounds lovely. All right, how about let's go the other way. How about energy enhancers because there are some of these that actually are very uplifting.
1: So the ones that are uplifting the the, the the classic one is honestly rosemary. Um there are other ones that people sometimes use, but I'm concerned about things like thyme and sage and mugwort because um they uh are also associated they 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 can they, they have associations with um seizures so i mean you know just you have to be careful about any of these stimulatory things because you're having a, a stimulatory effect on the on the, on the body including a stimulatory effect on the uh, nervous system, and so you have to be a little careful. I, I would be careful of those ones. But you know, rosemary, I'd, yes, yeah, but rose, that, even rosemary even you powerful. could use, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how
0: about how about again? I, I always heard that citrus was very uplifting. Grapefruits and the and the lemons and the oranges. So
1: the ones actually the ones that we use are pedigree and eucalyptus, which mm-hmm. are derivatives of um of of citrus. They're actually quite relaxing, and they're used an anti-anxiety. We think they might have an effect on serotonin, but they're actually not stimulating. There are other ones that could be, but those are not the ones I use. I use pedigree and neroli. Gotcha. Okay. Rose, by the way, very calming as well. Rose? extremely expensive. Yeah, yeah.
0: Straight rose. Yeah, straight love rose. love roses. Yeah, it's a
1: beautiful, right. beautiful, incredible aroma, quite expensive.
0: So you use that kind of like the lavender? Well, and so that, yeah, like you
1: could use that. The, you could add rose to... Uh, lavendin and uh, balm. and to, to some lemon balm. Right. It's great. I mean, again, you got to remember, you put these aromas together; they all have different smells. <laughs> and in the end, <laughs> so um,
0: like a s- summer garden. So
1: it's so, right. So I have a patient. he just reminds me. I have a patient who is um, she's a yoga instructor, and every time I see her when she comes in, there's a waft of essential oils. So that's the first thing I know when she walks into right. the room is the I can smell essential oils, which I happen to like cause I like oils, but you know it can be it can be a, 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 bit, a bit much. The other thing is that I personally find peppermint to be a little uh, stimulating with me. And so this is a funny story. When I was studying about essential oils, I was um, just finishing my, uh, just uh, this was residency. No, 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 was this residency? No, this was probably after my fellowship, I'm sorry. And um, so I knew that essential oil of peppermint was really quite stimulating. And so um, when I did night float, which is where you only work nights, I would get really tired. The emergency department would call me at two o'clock in the morning. And I would be tired and I need to be awake in 30 seconds. If you want to wake up in two seconds, you take... I don't want you to actually do this, but I'm telling you what I used to do. This is what, doc, I, this this is, is what doctors do this with the secret parts of their exactly. lives. Exactly. So you would take some essential oil of peppermint and you would put it um, essentially round your head and a little bit on your on your temples and a carry waft in. No, no, no. This was neat. You went so it straight. This is why you don't do what this. What are you doing? But I'll tell you what you do. And <laughs> in about twenty <laughs> seconds, you wake up because they have. You know, they use <laughs> menthol cigarettes. Yes. You know, this is st- And you would wake up, and you would be one hundred percent awake in twenty seconds. Like nothing will wake you up like this will. And then you're like, whoa. And then you go down to the emergency department. After about a week of night float, the emergency department doctor said, "You know, why do you smell of peppermint all the time?" Right. <laughs> Because I have a problem, don't judge, you know.
0: And kids, don't try this at home. No, no, because you can't, you you just can't do this. you said that you do exactly what you told everybody you for the last You can't do that. I was telling you, you what I used to, to do. do exactly.
1: <laughs> don't do what I do. Like, do it safely, but I'm just telling you, I used to do that, and I would wake up in 20 microseconds. Gosh, it's really powerful right. stuff.
0: Okay, so now, if people do want to do this at home, we talked a little bit about the different methods of um, diffusers and massage mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, if they want to put some any of this in, if they want to do it in the bath, is that... I just went back into the other room, but I read about like you can't just put oil into the bath. You no, you can't to,
1: put it in, right. in, in the bath. So, um, honestly, I don't really use essential right. oils. They're aromatic baths. Um, uh, I love What my you would do, right? So, aromatic baths. What you, what you would, what I would do is go to one of the manufacturers or one of the distributors, and they will make essential oil bath salts with the specific oil you want, and then it's done properly. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. As opposed to you doing it yourself, um, I, I like that better because I think that that's done to a standardised. You know, I mean, just to talk about these manufacturers, right. these, 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 these. Well, they're distributors, really. They will do the following: when you get an oil, you don't know what you're already getting. They will do what's called mass spectrometry. Spect- spect- What's it called? Mass spec. Don't ask me to pronounce that. (laughs) Anyway, so it's called mass spec. Anyway, so um, and what they do is they're looking at the chemical constituents of this oil. They do it for every single batch that they purchase. And so you can ask for the mass spec um, uh, printout for the batch. And they will know if this actually is rosemary, if this is that version of rosemary, because there's different versions of rosemary, if this is lavender, because they all, as I have explained couple of times have different chemistry and you can see the chemistry and that will tell you which oil you actually have a real distributor is going to be able to give you the mass spec so you know when you buy rose oil you are actually getting rose oil if they can't give you the mass spec you have no idea what you're buying and you don't know what you're taking
0: all right so now i'm just a person yeah and are you telling me don't go to whole foods to those cases full, there are so you know, hundreds of these things. At, I'm at telling you that I don't know so,
1: where those how, are made and where right. they're sourced.
0: Even the, if wha- they say this is organic and uh, this is not. Fantastic. So where should people buy um, essential I, oils?
1: I, I, there's a couple of manufacturers. Um, Elizabeth Van Buren has a line. Um, I usually get, I use a website out of the south. I think it's Tennessee, but I'm not 100% sure it's called nature's gift as in nature the thing gift as in Mm g-i-f-t and i go to naturesgift.com and this is i mean essentially in clinical practice when i have patients and i say i need you to get eucalyptus you know radiata or eucalyptus globulus or i need you to get german or roman chamomile uh which by the way you can use the chamomile can be used um topically uh instead or topically in a um uh, it can be used instead of steroids for for, uh, for inflammation, for eczema. They use it in Germany to steroid spare on kids. So they use this thing called Camillosan with a K-K-A-M-I-L-L-O-S-A-N. And that is an essential oil of chamomile that is anti-inflammatory. And they use it instead of steroids. So the point is that... They use it instead
0: of steroids for... Um, for, e- for eczema. No, no, no. Can I also use it for um, poison ivy?
1: Yeah, it, it, it'll work. It won't work wonderfully, but it'll work. Um, but the, the thing is that um, Nature's Gift will then give you, I say, go to Nature's Gift, you're gonna buy what I tell you to buy, and then what it is is I need you to get lavandula X Speculata, whatever it is, or, or, or Lavendin, and that's and they will have it, and you know it's the real thing, so you can then use it properly. So I, I really think you wanna go to a proper distributor um, the other thing is that the way this has all been done is there is a course by a lady called Jane Buckle. She's a Ph.D. nurse out of England, and she has certification for clinical oil use. This is the thing I did for a year, clinical oil use in hospitals. So there are m- hundreds of hospitals that nurses will use, mostly nursing staff. That they will use essential oils in clinical practice. They use it in the ICU and they use it in other pl- different places. And this is in
0: the United States. In the United it. States, absolutely.
1: Right. And when they're using it, usually they will have gone through the Jane Buckle certification. So that's the thing that she has. The hospital where I worked for a number of years actually had this certification. Uh, I used to be an external examiner, and then they go and show me. Uh, uh, the people would come and um, and present their projects because everyone has to do clinical projects, and um, those. Jane Buckle is, if you are interested in essential oils and you have a clinical background, like you're a nurse or you're a massage therapist or something, um, then you could certainly do that course. And she has manufacturers or other distributors that she recommends that are essentially pharmaceutical grade that you could use in the hospital. And that's a big deal.
0: So now I got a whole bunch of people who are all excited about this and they don't live in Connecticut. So mm-hmm. how do they go and find somebody a practitioner because you know this this is not really such do it yourself medicine even though it's you know even though you could buy this stuff in whole foods and right. it's not of quality but right. everybody's thinking right. oh well I got that there and it's organic yeah. and it's fine. So now what do they do? So
1: what I would say is that I would go to Jane Buckle's website. I imagine she's probably going to have information about where you would go, who would have done her certification. Um, and that would be useful to go to them. And then they will be using this in a clinically responsible and effective manner.
0: So is there a um, a title, a label? Like, how do you know when I'm reading someone's bio that they're certified in essential oils? Um,
1: I think there's some kind of certification, which I have, but I don't know what it's called. I think it's like... Clinical aromatherapy practitioner or something, CCAP or I mean, I am I'm, I'm I'm interested in the knowledge right. rather than the certification. But um, I believe that that was um, the certification that people had. But again, the lady who's trying to make this as medical as possible is Dr. Jane Buckle and uh so multiple hospitals i mean literally tens if not hundreds of hospitals across the united states are going to be using these oils and they're used by practitioners and again they're not lay practitioners they are people who have they they must have some kind of uh medical or uh, clinical licensing to be able to do it that could be a massage therapist that could be a um a nurse that could be a PA, it could be an MD, that could be right. a advanced practice uh, nurse uh, or a PA, but then they have to have some kind of clinical thing, and then she will train them so they can use essential oils right. to add to their practice.
0: Yes, but again, I want people not just in the hospital so that they can get it. Well, so a lot of your... these people will do
1: it over. Right. Will then will then go out and do it in private practice. Yes,
0: sure. Can you talk to someone over the phone about it?
1: I, I'm sure. So the person who instructed me is a yeah. nurse up in Boston. She has a a, 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 a shop uh the apothecary I, I think it's called anyway um up in uh, up in um in the boston uh, metro area and uh she'll see patients and she'll advise them about using essential oils and she goes all over the country because she's one of the lecturers for Jane Buckle and um and I've re- I've emailed her before and said, hey, listen, what would you use an oil with this right. and oil with that? And no, she can,
0: can an individual get a phone consult? I'm sure it. she
1: can. Yeah, can I, I call
0: I, someone and say hi? I'm, I'm sure a you rash. could.
1: I'm well. I think you rash could. would be tough. So no, what I would say under the circumstances is that you go, you look, and then you see who's in your area who does. Um, a, a lot of the, these people will then do consults,
0: Sure. Yes. Okay. Sure. All right. I've beat you up enough. You did.
1: <laughs> it was great, though. I better it's take some. Uh, you see, I was taking rosemary and peppermint, so I'm like, I'm, I'm wired.
0: Now I'm wired too. Now I'm going to go need a little calm. Going to go a little bit lemon, of a, a little lemon balm and lavender. That's right, down. lemon balm. All right, Doctor Joe Feuerstein, you're awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And um, What do you don't have? We don't have a website to promote for you though. Just your book. No,
1: no, no. We do. Doctor Feuerstein, F-E-U-E-R, S-T-E-I-N. dot com.
0: All right. Well, thank you. My pleasure. I'm talking to Dr. Joseph Feuerstein, a leading family practitioner who uses integrative philosophies to help his patients regain and retain wellness. In his practice, he uses an array of treatment protocols as best suits the situation, understanding that health and healing is driven by the patient and not the doctors. To do this, he focuses on lifestyle changes and certain ancient traditional practices, including acupuncture, homeopathy, and essential oils. Challenging the common wisdom in health is just one example of the many ways that our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, helps people do better and feel better Dr. Stein is one of thousands of top experts who have appeared in Bottom Line Personal, not just in healthcare, but in all aspects of your life, including financial planning, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for over 40 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast that's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast